Welcome to the only actionable podcast to help you unfuck your marketing and run a business that gives a shit. I'm your host, Siobhan, and this is Marketing Unfucked. Today's guest is Juliana Jackson. Join us as we unfuck partner marketing and retention. Let's do this. What do we need to unfuck today? Dude, let's talk about partner marketing because I got triggered a bit. Like, <laughs> So for, for whoever is listening right now and they're used to me, I'm going to ask, like, let's, talk, let's talk a bit about partner marketing. And let's talk a bit about um, what's the relationship between SaaS companies and agencies. And you have an agency, right? Yeah, I do. What's I'm the name of your this. agency? It's Raise. Okay. So like, do you, are, you, <laughs> are you being contacted by SaaS companies that want to give you leads and help you grow your agency and help you build new services for your agency and help you take your agency to the next level in this e-commerce game. Yeah, if you mean spammed, yes, <laughs> all the time. It's it's yeah, it's mind-blowing and most of them don't even get what I do right. <laughs> no, but honestly, I want us to do like a side to side where you as an agency like tell me what's the experience that you have when mm-hmm. like you you have clients and you know your tools that you have, but you're always gonna be in touch with what's going on in the industry. So you obviously want to have new tools and you know new ways of doing stuff that are better and more efficient to make your clients happy. Of course. And then I'm gonna show you the experience that I have as a former SaaS uh, you know, uh, I guess employee employee or whatever mm-hmm. you wanna call it. And one of my roles as uh, you know, in all the I, I did partner marketing for most of the SaaS companies that I work with. And I want to tell you my experience so you can see. And for everyone that's listening and is an agency or a consultant that has to deal with this, you will hear both sides of the story. So let's unfuck this. And then I want to unfuck retention with you if you want. All right. We can do retention too. I think they lead into each other anyway. We can just pretend we're a, a software that does retention. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, I have to, I do have to say that um, being reached out to left and right by various software is, frankly, it's not fruitful, I, at least not for somebody like me. I think that if I have a use case where I think a tool is helpful, I will find the tool. And that's yeah. really the only time I think I've had a successful relationship or a partner relationship with, some, with another software. And especially when we're looking for clients, I think that's essentially what's happening, right? We need to keep our client's best interest in mind. So we're looking for it. If you're coming to me trying to sell me something, you just kind of fall into that bucket of you're just looking for another lead. And that doesn't help me. And I, you haven't given me anything to want for me to want to help you. So it's definitely a struggle. I mean, this is how we met, right? We met through this interaction, but I actually looked for you. So it was slightly different. I kind of looked for everybody. I know I was looking for you back, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean. I'm not going to be mean. No, you don't have to be mean. Um, But yeah, like that's how we met. I guess what I want to ask is, uh, I want to tell you is, I was struggling a lot in this position with, you know, like I spoke to so many agencies. I think most of the, I guess... Most of the agencies that you see on social media all the time and the, you know, freelancers or consultants that are, uh, I guess right now, because it's the closest memory of e-commerce, knew me because I was, you know, in touch with them and we were talking a lot of times. And I think the biggest thing that I had issues with was the fact that at the end of the day, bro, like I just wanted people to use my software, you know, like that's what it was. 
But did you believe in your software? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that I don't want to say authentic because I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing authentic in general, but like, I'm not the type of person that will push anything that, you know, I don't believe in, but I was struggling because in the beginning I was like really pushing it. Like before we met, when, when I just started, then like, I knew I had to get agencies to use my tool because I want to grow the tool and agencies had clients and we didn't have clients. So I was pushing, I was pushing until one day someone told me on social media, on LinkedIn, just messaged me randomly and I'm not going to give his name, but he said, yo, like, why are you pushing so hard? Like, why are you basically shoving the software in someone's store? Like, you don't think about their clients. You don't think about their best interests. You don't think about uh, billable hours. Like there's stuff like you should study agency life more before you go and talk to an agency. And I think this is a very big problem for software providers in general is that they don't understand the agency life. I've never worked for an agency before, but I had so many friends and I was like basically not eating my own dog food because I was talking all the time, like let's do research and market and customer research. Like I've been saying that shit, but I wasn't doing my own research. So then I did like some sort of ghetto, you know, dozen jobs to be done, interviews with my agency friends. And I realized that their biggest issues is being paid by their clients. Their biggest issues is being able to deliver in time. It's clients that are very hard to deal with. It's calls that you get all the time. It's the fact that it's very hard to get a buy-in. Even if people are paying you to do a service, they you don't get their buy-in. Like they just think they know better than you, but they yeah. pay the ex. So when I heard that, I was like, shit, you know, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> I just like became friends with everybody that I talked to afterwards. Uh, I, I happened to work with some people, some I didn't work. But I think what I don't didn't like about what I was doing and what is happening in general is that I feel that it's very one-sided, the relationship. Yeah. And it's like the software company, and I'm not talking only about, you know, what I've been before, but I'm seeing in general, because I'm also now in the position with uh, software companies trying to partner with CXO, because of exactly. course, you know, it's CXO. And some of them are poor, like the CRO companies are great, best ones, and I've I love working with them, but there are other companies that are looking for partnerships, but they don't care that my biggest interest is the students, you know, the CXO students. They don't yeah. care about the CXO students. They just want Pip to like their posts on LinkedIn or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's like it's a two-way relationship, but then how do yeah. we make it a two-way relationship? I mean, did you ever succeed in trying to get that to be a two-way relationship at your previous position? <sighs> I didn't. It's a hard I one, didn't. isn't it? Yeah, because I was... Um, just honest like I was stuck be between thinking like a human being and then trying to keep my job and you know giving something back yeah. so I just gave up on on the thing and I said I don't want to do this anymore because it's not it's not cool I don't feel comfortable doing it there are companies that really nail partnerships like big commerce for instance I read like how they work with their partners I was very impressed with e-commerce, I had a different type of relationship when I was needing their, uh, I was trying to obviously sell my tool mm -hmm. to their end clients. Yeah. But then being a SaaS company, we kind of have the same interest, you know, like we just want users. We want to make sure that people are using it. They're happy. We're getting feedback. We're growing the software. Yeah. But their partnership program was very thought of. Like you had a whole path ahead of what you need to do. This misses completely 
from what's happening right now. There's SaaS companies coming out of everywhere, every day. It's a new SaaS company. Oh, we need agencies. It's like, it's the stupid meeting. Like, I promise you, this meeting is happening. Like, it's, it's the founder, it's the product owner, it's the marketing team. Yeah. It's a general meeting. We got to grow this company. We got to get to 10 million. And then what's the right way to do it? I mean, if you had to do it the right way, what's the right way? Because you can't also wait for everyone to come to you, right? I, that doesn't happen either. You do need to put yourself out there. We even understand that from the agency point of view. Like, I understand. I can't just sit here and wait for clients to show up. I need to put myself out there. I feel very uncomfortable doing cold outreach or or just pushing. So then what is the right way to do this? I'm sure every marketer thinks about like, how can we do this properly? I guess what it worked for me after I stopped caring that much was just the being top of mind and just being cool with people. Like I know this sounds super, I don't know, non-fancy. But just being nice to people, like being cool with people. I've sent clients to my friends in the agency world. I never take referral fees. I'm just like, oh, you need this? Oh, go there. Like I've been a connector, like I'm a connector in nature. So I just connect people like you tell me something, I will remember it. The next time I will be asked, I'm going to put you there. So I just did that because I just felt it like I didn't expect anything in return. And I think this type of mental model of not expecting anything to return and just pushing towards building a relationship i think it's pretty cool chameleon does this good i really like i'm not trying yeah they do this really well i know i have no interest in kissing ass or anything but no but colin at chameleon does this really well i do have to give him that yeah he does this really well building relationships are it's like yeah it's another story like i know that for example chameleon i had conversations and I got to know Colin. I built a relationship with him. Yeah. And, and I think that's ultimately what it is you need to do. And I think people forget it, right? Like, it's just so annoying because people are so worried about hitting their numbers, hitting their whatever yeah. their goals are, and that they forget that there's somebody they need to communicate with. It yeah. doesn't matter really if it's an agency, a SaaS, or e-commerce. You ultimately just need person. to communicate yeah. with the person at the yeah. other end of the line. Who said this really well? Somebody's, oh, you know, Mercer said this once to me. He said, you're looking at the data just to understand the conversation you're having with the person at the other side of the website. I'm like, yeah, exactly. it's a conversation. Right. It's a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Mercer like, is dope. <laughs> yeah. I was spot on. And I think it's really fun because like you can realize how everyone needs to do that. It's not just SaaS or just the agency or just the, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. It's just, we, we are so focused on, like the stupid hustle that is it's like a fucking pageant show on social media right now. <laughs> that's it. Period. It's a pageant show. Like, oh my God, look at me. Like that's I posted some shit like that the other day on LinkedIn. Like all marketing nowadays is look at me, look at me, community, NFT, Web3. Look at me, look at me. Personal yeah. brand, personal brand. Agree. Don't agree. Like what the fuck? You know, like what's wrong with you guys? So yeah, like to, to unfuck this partner marketing, just try to be partners first, you know, like just try yeah. to have a conversation. And I think doing events together, doing a co-marketing, I think it's much more safe for both mm-hmm. sides in the beginning because you have to be safe. Like, let's be real. We're talking about, imagine you using a tool, random tool. You bring your best paying client to that tool. Yeah. And that tool fucks up, dies. It happened yeah. to me. I'm not going to oh. talk about it, but it happened to me. Oh, that's not good. Okay. It was bad. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it happened in my past job, but it happened to me yeah. in the in the past to get a partner 
And they trusted me because we did build a relationship. Mm. But the tool was supposed to keep the website up and it didn't. It fucked everything up. So it was bad. He didn't get mad at me, but he lost some money that day. Yeah. So like, it's very hard to recover from that because you cannot know, like, even if you're working for a SaaS company or you're working for an agency, you cannot know what's going to happen. But to be able to have the trust to do some shit like that and to not expect to be, you know, kicked in the ass, you have to build some sort of trust and relationship. And I think the safest way is to try to do events blog posts, whatever, like help, let's help each other, you know, grow, let's help each other get, get, get ourselves out there more. And then, you know, like once we get into a safe position with each other, then we can work together and it works. I really can guarantee you that it works. I spent the last two years just building with people, building, like, look at, we met only once, yeah. but I always had respect for you. Like, even if we don't yeah. talk, yeah. And it's it easier for us to just build that up again. Yeah. Um, like because I just we feel... built that relationship before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I haven't talked to you in a year or so. Yeah. Because like, it's been, it's been probably like a year or something I since we last so, talked. Yeah. And you were on Twitter and I was, and I, I, I remember I screenshotted your Twitter and I put it in the Slack on, uh, on the sales team. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, well, I wanted to call someone out, aren't I? <laughs> you should have. Like you did great. And it's, it's, it's just, Yo, like it's what it is, and it was deserved. And I was like, look at this. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm barely on Twitter. Like I'm more now on Twitter because I got sick of LinkedIn virtue signaling bullshit. But like, it's it's hard. And like, if you don't have that type of relationship in advance, it's very hard to convince an agency. And I work mostly with e- uh, email marketing agencies rather yeah. than um than CRO or mm. uh, I don't know performance marketing. So I will. With email marketing agencies, people are just paid for flows or have, there's some sort of retainers there, sure, but people are paid for flows for, to set up campaigns and so on. They're not paid necessarily to bring in a tool and try to reinvent shit. Like we are overestimating the type of use that we can have for a tool for the whole clients of an agency. Like, okay, in your case, CRO, you do need an AP testing tool. Yeah, of course, of course. But it's, It's again, it's. No, we need it. But, you know, we have our, we know what we work with. We know what works for us. We have built our relationships. We know what I'm comfortable with, what the developers know. It ultimately comes down to this. And and like you said, it always just comes down to the relationship. The more I think about it now, the more that you're bringing it up, it's like, yeah, I think every one of my partnerships are built on a relationship that was built. Any potential partnership is probably also built on a relationship. And on top of that, I think any one of my clients that are doing really, really well, it's because they're investing in the relationship with their customer. If it is in, you know, the after purchase cycle, making them feel special, building a relationship there, or even just respecting them on the front end before they've even purchased. And I think that when you just think about this, everyone says, oh, you know, customer first, customer first. It's all about the customer, interview the customer. Yes. But is it really just that? Or is it building a relationship with the customer? Like, that's one step further. That's us taking what we are learning from all the customer research we do and actually applying it. Yeah, I know. I know that is the thing, like eating your whole, whole bowl of dog food. And it's hard. Like once you're in that position of having to get numbers and do shit, you forget about research. Like, Like I saw myself, oh my God, jobs to be done, bro. I had to get clients, you know, like. And people don't admit to this shit. Like everyone is trying so hard to sound, you know, like very elitist. And um, it's like, 
exactly like that book we were talking about in Beyond the Beverage, and yeah. it's like that elite and eminent, the eminence and the mediocres. Yeah. And it's like everyone is so afraid to just be honest and just be straightforward with stuff because they don't want to be perceived as mediocre or they don't want to be perceived as, you know, regular. God forbid you're regular. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like this, being normal is almost a special thing nowadays. <laughs> shit, I love that. Like, I have no fucking problem with just being, you know, on my own thing. But yeah, like, to sum it up here, it's all about the relationships. Like, for before you're trying to shove anyone, you know, partnership, it's like, yo, just try to see if you're actually cool with people. Like, if you vibe with them, you you end up like... I ended up working because I didn't have a choice because people come inbound as well. <laughs> you know like you end up working with people that you don't align your 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 beliefs or values with like I didn't I didn't and it was like it was making me sick one of the reasons that I do not miss client work or client (laughs) side work is I'm good (laughs) but But, what are you doing now so then like I mean you're the retention queen we all know this you know we don't have to fight around the bush here um (laughs) <laughs> so are you still playing with that at least like if yeah. you're not doing client time yeah i'm i have client side but it's like the student side like people like you that take Excel courses but the cool part is that our customers it's not just i don't know it's like you're thinking about customers in terms of like people that buy from your shop like this is real people that know you like I yeah. have customers from Adidas, from Spotify, from Decathlon, like their CRO yeah. teams or like their UX designers. It's like people that are really like and, knowledgeable. But how are you investing in building a relationship with someone like that? Right. Because they're saying they're experts in their field. They're taking the coursework, but you still need to improve or retain that customer. So how are you taking that a step further? How are you building that relationship with them? I do customer support every day. Every okay. day. This is great. Yeah. Like. I remember this guy from Germany called Timo Dachau. I hope I'm not yeah. fucking up his name. He came and bought a Google Analytics 4 course maybe like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I have this welcome series. And in my welcome series, in the first message, when you're a trial, I say, reply and say, hi, Juliana. I'd love mm-hmm. that. Everyone replies to that. It works okay. charms. Mm-hmm. I do text-only emails. I don't put any type of you know crazy shit. So he replied to it and said, hey, Juliana, how are you? Random. And I respond to him in, in within like five minutes. And he was like, oh, I did not expect to see you on chat. Like, what are you doing on the CS chat? I do CS every day. Like today, until I talk to you, I spend at least one to two hours responding to tickets, random tickets, talk, talking to people. I also manage the CS team. And I manage the CS, uh, the customer success manager, because we have customer success in CS. Yeah. And I build all their flows. I build their system. I, uh, I'm doing data mining from Intercom. Intercom has a really good feature called conversation yeah. details, yeah. where you can build lists of different topics. So I have courses, mini degrees, bugs, feature requests, <laughs> building an account. Yeah. yeah. But how, why is that valuable a- to you? Because like. I'll tell you, most marketers I know would be like, well, okay, fine. Customer support, CS, whatever. It goes to them. It goes to, you know, them. I know that my clients are shocked when I want to see the customer support logs. And they're like, what are you going to find there? I'm like, this is my gold mine. This is where I find everything. But exactly, our listeners don't necessarily know this. So tell us what you, give us one example where you found a gold mine. Perfect. So we have... Every course has bugs, dude. Like every course has bugs. Mm -hmm. There's some courses that we filmed a while back 
yeah. that are obviously not at the same level as stuff that we filmed last year. So we have to think about like, think about when, when you're in e-commerce, for instance, you have cost, you have products that churn customers. Someone buys from your store a product that is not, you know, to par anymore. And because that's the first course that they, that's the first product that they buy, mm-hmm. they might not come and buy the second time. So I'm doing this analysis to see what course people start with. And then what's the behavior after that course? Mercer is the one that kills everything. Like he's the best. Like if people start with Mercer, I'm good. That's customer lifetime value. But there are some courses that are not performing, not because the content is not good, it's because it's outdated. So when that happens, I have to take the decision like, hey, do I have to archive this course? Because you see, you know that we archive courses a lot of times. Like I just archived Facebook ads and PPC audiences like two weeks ago. People were complaining. They're not making sense. Obviously, they won't make sense. We're just filming Facebook courses right now. But to see that in Intercom, I can check how many people had a product. The product area was coarse. The tag that I'm using, the data attribute that I'm using is the SKU name. And I'm looking at the volume of the tickets that are opened exactly on that topic. So that's data mining. And I check... What's the workload? What are the words? Like, what's yeah. the sentiment? Is it positive? Is it negative? Because you can do binary, you know, uh, attributes there. And basically, I push them in Airtable. And in Airtable, I have, you know, the formulas that can detect, you know, if uh, it's like this, it's a tool called Meaning Cloud that goes yeah. and takes, you know, like the, the the sentiment analysis. Obviously, I like Google NLP better, but I'm not as smart to use it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just I'm just sticking to what I know. But yeah, like it's a whole process. So like we take that custom, it's like coding a survey, like you get the answers yeah. and you get the results based on, you know, the value that you put for each answer. So it's the same with customer success. Like in Intercom, it takes literally five minutes to create three lists of, you know, data attributes that matter to your business. And then if you create an SOP, because this is what I did, I made a whole SOP on how this shit should be done by CSO, I can use it, then I can, you know, generate reports from there where I can see, okay, so this course is getting a lot of hate. This course is doing good. But then you can go in a metabase and query and see uh, like how much time is spent on the course, how many people are taking the course, how many people have abandoned the course. When yeah, was so the you're last just taking time? like another step further. Like you're getting like essentially you're getting like that little bit of information you need from the customer support logs. Essentially. And then you get hypotheses. Exactly. <laughs> and then you start experimenting with it like we all do, right? Exactly. Well, like at least I hope we were all doing. Yeah. But can you... <laughs> So, you know, with CXL, it's quite unique because it's more of an education platform. Can you think of an example in e-commerce where it would be really helpful to like, I mean, I can think of a ton of examples, but I want you to come up with one because with the customer supporting. Yeah. So I was like a cool part that I liked about my previous job at the company that I was working at my previous job in. If you're curious, you can (laughs) look for it. I'm a big fan of RFM segmentation. I don't believe that it's. Like, I love it. Don't get it twisted. It's one of the best shits ever. But I don't believe it's useful for someone that doesn't have millions of data in transaction. In but explain millions. what RFM segmentation is, because I don't okay, think everybody my knows. Bad, my bad. So RFM is stands for Recency, Frequency, and Monetary Value. Is this, um, this method appeared somewhere in the 
80s, 85, 86s, or whatever. It's um, a consequence of database marketing and direct response marketing. And basically, it was just helping people back then to calculate the value of a customer. So by nature, RFM, recency, frequency, and monetary, is just, a, I guess, a field of transactional data analysis. That's it. It's like you're looking at transactional data, like purchases, orders, customers, and products to see based on how people buy from you, what's their behavior over time, what's their value. So before I continue to give this example, I just want to let you know that if you're using RFM or if you decide to use RFM at some point for your business, it should be only directional and not executive, you know, in terms of decisions. It's just directional. It's like giving you a hint that you're in the right path. You need millions of uh, customers with transactional data to actually use RFM. Another myth about retention that everyone thinks, oh my God, I have RFM. Fuck, fuck what you heard. So we had this uh, integration back then with Gorgias. So what I liked is because those, so RFM in the e-commerce, uh, in the e-commerce scene would mean that you would segment customers based on how recent they buy, how frequent they buy and their monetary value. So those are customer segments. So when you plug your customer success or customer support tool, in this case, Gorgias, that's what we were using, to your Shopify, when that Shopify also had this tool that I was working for, I was able to see those customer segments coming into, uh, in, uh, I was about to say ClickUp, <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in Gorgias. And what was cool as a use case is that when you had like a VIP customer or you had a customer that like had like, I don't know, 10 orders and they were super loyal and had a good net promoter score, those were being prioritized in terms of responses time versus people that, you know, are bargain hunters or like have a high, like they might have more, uh, they might have multiple orders, but they're very low in order yeah. value or it's people that uh, had a lot of re- uh, refunds or returns and so on. So like, I like the fact that you can send that type of segmentation to your customer success team. And ultimately based on those people's behavior within your shop, you can make better choices and prioritization as the head of customer support on how and when you should uh, respond to people. For me, it was really awesome. Another thing that you can do in e-commerce is uh, the same thing. You have to mine the data. Mm. Very important. Like even if here for CXL, I look at products and whatever, you can still look, you can still make like if you're using intercom or I think, I think even Gorgias has this thing for data attributes or conversation details or tags. Use your tags wisely, people. Like a good advice that I can give you Mm -hmm. is to, uh, instead of making random ass tags, use your product SKU as a tag. Input your product SKUs as tags. This way, if you're sending that customer support data into a database, you can do an inner join between that database and another database, and you can see trends exactly. on that data. Like if you want to see how your product is performing over time and what's like the feedback for the product, you can check also the customer, actual customer data instead of just looking at transactions. Like you can see, yeah. again, the sentiment analysis. Is the good, you know feedback good? Is the feedback back? Is it neutral? Yeah. So... I know it sounds very technical. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine because, you know, technical is part of it. Ultimately, it can be simplified. I mean, all what they were saying is take the information, look at it, analyze it, and do something with it. Make better Act decisions. It, make better decisions. Garner better relationships. I mean, isn't that what it's about? Like, you've just decided with RFM analysis, for example, that you've got certain VIP clients. 
that's a relationship you're going to put more into than the bargain hunters. So ultimately it's just retention leads to also better, you know, RFM segmentation will lead to better relationships. Understanding your customer leads to a better relationship post-purchase, which is going to ultimately give you better everything else. You don't even have to go there, you know, because the more you retain, the better off you are. Yeah. And again, it's not just e-commerce. It's like CXL is not e-commerce, it's education. Thank you, Juliana. And thank you for listening to Marketing Unfucked. All resources mentioned in today's show can be found in the show notes. Like the show, leave us a review or send me some feedback. See you in two weeks.